humans. Hello, hello, humans. Happy Mother's Day to you mothers out there. I am so thrilled. This is Ellie Krug with Hidden Edges Radio. We are live today. It's one of our relatively rare live shows. And we have a really, really great show for you listeners, especially for you moms and for you children of moms. I think that that makes just about everybody who's listening right now. Um, so you are listening to me, Ellie Krug, uh, one of the relatively few transgender radio hosts in the world. Regular listeners, you know I always have to say that because I'm neurotic and it has to explain why my voice does not match my name. And as you know, this is Hidden Edges Radio where we take on everything related to surviving the human condition. And today we're going to take on motherhood. And I have a phenomenal guest with me. Um, a young 30-something woman named Megan Shepard, who happens to be not only a wonderful human and wonderful daughter to someone, but she is also my, um, what I call my third daughter. She's uh, been a mentee of mine for a long time. And, and Megan, welcome to Hidden Edges Radio. How are you? Good. Thank you, Ellie. It's good to see you. Oh, it's good to see you. It's great to have you. You and I have actually been spending part of this morning. So listeners... Megan has this tradition of asking me out on Mother's Day because uh, Megan's mom lives in Iowa and uh, is not readily accessible for a quick restaurant uh, breakfast, brunch. And Megan, for the last four years, you have taken me out on Mother's Day. Today, not only did you take me out and pay for it, but you also brought me a, this beautiful lavender flower It was plant. cute. I had to get it for oh, you. Oh, <laughs> it was so nice, Megs, and thank you. And so, listeners, it's live. Today's topic is motherhood, and it is about how has your mother impacted your life, and moms, you out there, how have your children impacted your life? I know, very broad topics, but we would love to hear from you. We would love to have a discussion. At 952-946-6205, you can call in. We would love to hear from you. How often do you get me live? Not that often. And I will tell you, the last time we were live, exactly what happened. I put out multiple shout-outs to have people call because I love hearing from our listeners, all 14 of you. I love hearing from you. Um, but, you know, um, the last time I was live, six of the 14 called in in the last five minutes. And so please give us a call at 952-946-6205. If you are a mom, tell us what does it mean to you about being a mom. And if you are uh, the child of a mom, tell us what your mom meant, means or meant to you. And Megan, I have you on the show because not only are you my third daughter— um, but you are also my mentee, but you're also very important to me because you are just one really cool person. Thank you, Ali. And um, our audience, just to give our audience a little bit of background about you, you are a lawyer like me. Um, you are also a, an adoptee, so that gives us a little bit twist on Mother's Day. You mm -hmm. are Korean-born, yes, mm -hmm. and you're also a twin mm -hmm. and, um, and with a family that adopted you and, and, of course, is your, is your family now. And uh, listeners who have listened to my show before, you know that I'm an adoptive parent of two Korean-born uh, daughters. So, yeah, now you get this, the, the idea of why Megan is so important to me and so special. So, Megs, let's uh, start off with something easy. What's it, like, what's it like, you know, in today's world between you and your mom? My mom is one of the most important people in the world to me. Um, she and I, as many mothers, <laughs> the relationship between many mothers and daughters, um, I'm assuming out there, our relationship has evolved a lot, you know, over, you know, the span of my, the span of my life. Um, I call, she's very often, almost always my first phone call. Um, she always has very, got this very calm Midwestern demeanor that just makes me feel better about yeah. what's, <clears throat> about what's going on. You know, I'm being a lawyer. I'm a little bit neurotic. I'm a little bit on the high anxiety side. I can attest to that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you and I have a little bit of that in common, maybe, <laughs> perhaps. But my, um, my mom is got this just quiet, calm sort of serene demeanor, like nothing will ever bother her, ever. And that's so comforting. It's so comforting. Well, that is, you know, that's 
that's great. And and um, how often do you get to see your mom? And and then when you're not with her, are you doing this thing that that I am finding that my adult children do? My now my daughters are a little bit younger than you. They're 28 and 26. But first of all, they do not pick up the telephone um, ever. And secondly, um, they're not really good with email either. They're only good with texting, which creates big problems because I'm not very good with texting. So when you communicate with your mom, how is it and how often? I call my mom. Um, I call both my parents pretty pretty regularly, uh, particularly if I'm in the car or I'm on a trip or something. I'll, I'll give them a call, see how they're doing. Like many children out there, I probably don't call them as nearly as often as I should to update them on my life. <clears throat> But um, with the with the uh, you know increased use of texting, I ha- I do try to text my parents. Sometimes I get a response back. Sometimes it's uh, sometimes you know it's just easier to pick up the phone and call them. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you know, when I, I I'm very very privileged to have a have a twin, and she and I live in the same um, in the in the same city. She's also a mother and a very 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 phenomenal mother at that. She's got two kids, uh, two small children, and so because you know all of us are in the are in the same city, my parents do make the trip up from Iowa pretty regularly to to see the family. So I feel very fortunate that all of us get to uh, get to hang out together, and so it's it's been very nice to you know kind of reconnect with my mom on a on a different level as an adult because it has changed so much. And now we get to share um, my beautiful little niece and nephew, also in, also in common. It's just fantastic. All right. So listeners, we're talking about motherhood, what it means to be a mom, what it means to be a child of a mom. It's Mother's Day. Call in. Tell your mom. Hopefully she could be listening what she's meant to you. The number is 952-946-6205. And if you don't like your mom, call in and tell us about that, too. No, I'm just kidding around about that. But... You know, um, we would love to hear from you. So, Megs, um, let's, uh, you know, uh, before, as we were preparing for the show, we talked a little bit about how family is different. Mm -hmm. You know, that today's world in 2018, you know, the concept of family is much broader, that it's not only about blood, but that it's other things. I mean, to a certain extent, I feel... Um, a great affinity to you, even though you're not my blood. And But, I mean, the fact that you have made sure that on every Mother's Day that we, you know, we are together is just, I cannot tell you how much it means to to me. So in your, your age group, you know, in the folks that are in the mid-30s, how are you viewing family altogether and the role of motherhood? Oh, that's such a complicated question, but I love it because of that. Um, I think... You know, family is so beautifully complicated and multidimensional. And one of the things as a, you know, as a young woman that I try to always remember, um, always, always remember is that family is such a different construct for everyone. There's so many ways to be a family. Some people, their friends are really their family. They're the first people they go to when they've had a bad day at work. They're the first person they call if they've had um, a bad breakup or there's something wrong with their children. And that, that should never, in my opinion, anyway, be diminished um, because our, our social constructs and our networks are so important to us and they can be like family. For me, uh, my fam- the sense of family is very, is very broad. Obviously, it includes my, you know, my adoptive family. Um, I have two other brothers and I have another brother and sister, too, who are twins. So there's two sets of twins in my family, which makes our, which makes my family a little extra complicated, um, beautifully complicated, that is. Um, but it includes them and some of their friends who are also like family. Um, and, you know, as we kind of progress in, in society, you know, when we think about family a little bit differently, um, it's important to not, I think, anyway, limit ourselves to the nuclear family in terms of who may be important, who may not be important, um, and to really keep an open mind about what that means. Well, and, you know, I do a lot of training around human inclusivity, which includes tribalism, um, and how we are, obviously, humans are very tribal in a variety of ways, but uh, the highest degree of tribalism is blood. Um, and then we start going down the road from there, and color is high on the on that list, and and race, and things of that nature. But you know, I think that particularly with many of our younger people, that the idea of who is important to them isn't necessarily any more 
um, defined by blood. And that, you know, my experience, I'm meeting a lot of younger people where they have blood relatives, but they don't see them very much. But boy, the people that, you know, they either went to college with or the people that they work with or people that they grew up with are far more important. Callers, we'd love to hear from you at 952-946-6205. Call in. Tell us about how you view um, motherhood. Um, if you're a mom, why don't you call in and tell us how important it has been for you to be a mom? Oh, and by the way, it's pretty darn difficult, too. We'd love to hear from moms who have faced challenges because this show is about surviving the human condition. And if you're the child of a mom, you know, call in and tell us what uh, your mom has meant to you. Um, you know, and so we'll do that. Uh, when we come back from our break, I will talk a little bit about my experience with my mother uh, and, uh, and Megan will talk. I, I do want to talk about what it's like to be adopted in today's society. And you've agreed that that's okay. That's a topic that we can cover. Mm-hmm. Is that Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yep. Okay. So listeners, you've been listening to me, Ellen Krug, one of only a handful of transgender radio hosts in the world, as I promised last time I say that, interviewing Megan Shepard, um, about motherhood and what it means to be the child of a mother. And if you like what you hear, give us a call at 952-946-6205. Join the conversation. We're also on Facebook Live. Hello, Facebook Live. You can reach into us and send us questions by way of Facebook if you're afraid to call. And if you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. When we come back from our break, we'll talk more about motherhood on this Mother's Day. Thank you. Bye. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. Hi, it's Tom Hartman. You know, Continental Diamond is special for a lot of reasons. The owners are Jimmy and Helene Pessis, a husband and wife team who had a dream to open their own store more than 30 years ago. They built a business that is the gold standard. The readers of Minnesota Bride Magazine have named Continental Diamond the best jeweler for the last seven years. Why? Amazing, friendly, no-pressure customer service, a selection of fine diamonds and design jewelry unlike anywhere else, and the fresh-baked chocolate chip cookies are pretty great, too. Continental Diamond in St. Louis Park and at ContinentalDiamond.com. Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Visit the wine bar at Cafe Latte and enjoy a unique handcrafted pizza and glass of wine. The perfect place for an intimate night or an evening with friends. Choices range from spicy Italian sausage and sweet roasted peppers to the one-of-a-kind nacho chicken pizza layered with blue corn tortilla chips. The approachable wine list offers over 30 by the glass with special emphasis on wines from Washington State. End your night with one of Cafe Latte's melt-in-your-mouth desserts, 850 Grand Avenue, St. Paul. Brending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com.
on Hidden Engines Radio. Yes, yes, yes. This is Ellie Krug. I've been interviewing on AM 950, I might add. I've been interviewing Megan Shepard about what it means to be a 30-something in today's world as as a daughter and then her views about motherhood. Uh, Megan, we should probably add that you are single, right? And you... You're, <laughs> you are, and, and, and you, you just gave me that look, yes, and that you are, um, and that you, you don't have children, right? Mm-mm. No. Do not have children. Okay. And so, uh, because I'm sure listeners are wondering, and listeners, by the way, we would love to hear from you at 952-946-6205. Come on and call in and tell us how you view uh, motherhood, either on as a mom or as the child of a mom. But Megan, before we broke, we started to say that we would talk a little bit more about what it meant to be adopted. Um, and so we've got an interview here going between an adoptive parent, that would be me, of a Korean, I've got two Korean-born daughters, and I have you on the other end here, um, a Korean-born daughter who's been adopted by another family. So let's talk a little bit about how that kind of plays into mo- into Mother's Day and about... Um, about just being adopted generally. So, Megs, um, you know, uh, in today's world, uh, in 2018, being adopted, I don't think, is nearly as a big a deal um, as it was 30 years ago, say. Um, and certainly, um, being an internationally adopted child, I don't think nearly is as as big a deal, not to diminish you in any way, but I'm just talking about how society's become more accepting. So what what's it like? You know, <laughs> tell me about it. I mean, you grew up here in the Twin Cities, mm-hmm. right? I did. I grew up in a smaller town, you know, just about an hour, hour and a half south of here. Um, so, you know, like every good lawyer, I have to start out with a caveat, right? So when I talk about my experience being an adoptee, when I talk about myself being a minority woman and a person of color, and also um, uh, being internationally adopted, you know, it, one of the things that I start off by telling people is that every adoptee, like every person out there, has sort of a different story about their adoption, not just the circumstances under which they were adopted, but really how they personally feel about it. And everyone has a very different um, experience and sort of a coming to terms of how they want to, you know, sort of integrate or not integrate their experiences as an an adoptee into their life. And, you know, mine is just one of a vast, vast, vast variety of opinions um, out there because there's a lot of real hurt and a sense of loss that can come Mm -hmm. with adoption and that, you know, I have gone through some of that. Um, it kind of comes and goes, but I think that that is one a very important conver- part of this conversation. Um, and at the same time, not at all for me anyway to diminish the important connection that I have with my adoptive parents. Sure. Okay. Well, and, and I think those are really great caveats, uh, listeners. We'd love to get call in at nine five two nine four six six two zero five. So, Megs, let me just start um, to push that ball a little bit further down the court. And so um, I'm an adoptive parent. Both of my daughters are Korean born. Both are in their mid mid to late 20s. Well, I guess they're heading towards the later 20s. Um, and I will tell you from my end, um, I agree, uh, even on my end, the experience of each adoptive parent is different. You cannot, you know, draw a, a, a line um, and a, a broad brush for all adoptive parents. Uh, some of uh, it relates to whether the adoption is is international. Some of whether it's domestic, because there are different issues that come with children who are um, foreign born, whose skin color may be different than that of their adoptive families. Um, a lot of it relates to the age of the child that's adopted. A lot of different things. But I will tell you this: never in all the time that my daughters have been um, with me have I ever looked at my daughters other than just to see humans. I mean, I've never looked at them and seen, well, these are, this is my adopted kid, um, or that this is a kid that I, I, has a different skin color than me. Actually, I, I, they, <laughs> they don't have the, I mean, they seem like they have the same skin color as me, and they're just my daughters. And, and I, 
I love that. I mean, I, I don't ever, ref- I mean, yes, I will talk about them as being adopted simply because it will be a subject matter for training or like the subject of the show, but they're just my daughters. They're just my girls, you know, and that's the way I think a lot of adoptive parents are. I mean, I don't know if I've ever run into many, many adoptive parents where they start out by saying my adopted child versus my child. So how about you? As you look at your adoptive parents, I mean, are they just mom and dad? Well, I mean, you know, since this show is about, you know, is on Mother's Day, um, you know, people, people every once in a while will ask me, you know, who's your real mom? And that, I've thought about that a little differently as I've gotten, as I've gotten older. And, you know, I've, I always have found that question to be a little bit odd. Um, at best and offensive at worst. It kind of depends on, kind of depends on the day, honestly. But, you know, my mom is, my adoptive mom is my mom and I never made that distinction. There was never any point to me to make the distinction, but that doesn't mean that I didn't feel that everyone else thought that there was a distinction. And to get that question to me means that someone is looking at me and making that distinction. Now, how I choose to react to that is um, kind of a different, you know, a different story. You know, we can talk about, you know, race theory and, and, and things like that and what it means to have an internationally adopted child. But within the context of parenthood and specifically motherhood today, um, my mom, so when people ask me, is your mom your real mom? Of course she is. Of course she is. Yep. And yep. I had never thought of her, thought of her any differently, even though there have been times where I have felt like society has pointed me to that conclusion that she that I needed to make that distinction well I think that that's incredibly important and um, when we uh, come back from the break we'll talk about the grief and the loss that goes with uh, adoptions I mean because there is that and you've alluded to it and certainly when um, before my daughters came home uh, from Korea we uh, had to go through a um, adoption education class where we learned about grief and loss associated with adoption. But in the end, I mean, uh, we're back to what we talked about earlier, which is that family is family, and, and we don't necessarily need to have blood in order to have a family. And, and I think in today's world, that's becoming a broader concept where people just welcome you in. And you, what do you mean you're not coming to dinner? Of course you're going to come to dinner um, because everyone from the family is is here for dinner. Listeners, we'd love to hear from you at 952-946-6205. I've been speaking with Megan Shepard, um, a dynamic, I think that would be the right word that I would attra- attach to Megan, a dynamic young woman about her experience of being an adoptee and also about her mom and her views on motherhood. When we come back from our break, we'll talk more with Megan. I'd love to hear from you at 952-946-6205. And if you're nervous about calling in, it's fine. Send us a a message on Facebook and we'll answer that question that way. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug, on Hidden Edges Radio. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com or email me at hiddenedgesradio at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. I do reply. We'll be back in a minute. Thank you. Mishad Cooley Erickson, a mechanical and electrical consulting engineering firm in Minneapolis, supports inclusivity by designing spaces for all user groups, honoring inclusivity and respect. These spaces include gender-neutral family restrooms and nursing mothers' rooms. For example, Mishad Cooley Erickson has designed lactation rooms for traveling mothers at the MSP International Airport. Designing these spaces has changed the expectations of similar facilities in airports around the country. Mishad Cooley Erickson designed safe and comfortable environments for occupants who are their number one priority. Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Being a dog is awesome, except when you really gotta go, but you're stuck inside. 
That's why I had my human call the Urban Dog. Daily walks, field trips, play groups, one-on-one time, safe off-leash play, and pet sitting. I love being an Urban Dog. The Urban Dog works with your schedule and can create a plan that fits your needs. The Urban Dog. Exercise, explore, socialize. Let the journey begin. Call 651-231-6333. That's 651-231-6333. My favorite meal of the day is breakfast, and for morning fiddles, I head to Milton's 36 and Douglas in Crystal. My favorite is either the rib scrambler, scrambled eggs with ribs, portobello mushrooms, jalapenos, and pepper jack cheese, or the steak and eggs. My wife loves the pepper jack creamy grits and the stuffed avocados with poached eggs cradled in avocado halves. The kids love the French toast or the stuffed French toast filled with fruit and cream cheese. Top it off with coffee done my way from the Milton's coffee bar, and I'm ready for the day. Breakfast is waiting for you at Milton's 36 and Douglas in Crystal. Hi, this is Mike Papantonio from Ring of Fire. Ring of Fire is a direct, smart, and I got to promise you, a fearless progressive talk show. Join me, Mike Papantonio, and my co-host Bobby Kennedy Jr. and Sam Cedar as we take on the large corporate conglomerates and that radical right-wing media that dominate America's airwaves. Ring of Fire, Saturdays from 3 to 6 and Sundays from 6 to 9 p.m. On AM 950, it is the progressive voice of Minnesota. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. With your AM 950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Today will be partly sunny with a high near 74. Tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 54. Monday, mostly sunny with a high near 80. Monday night, mostly cloudy with a low around 59. Tuesday will be partly sunny with a high near 82 and a low around 59. Eat Local Minnesota is a great way to find locally owned Minnesota restaurants. Make sure the money you spend stays local. Featuring great restaurants such as Burger Moe's, Bad Waitress, Cafe Latte, and more. Find a full list of restaurants at eatlocalminnesota.com. Back on Hidden Edges Radio, if you're watching on Facebook Live, you're seeing me do my customary seat dancing. I get a lot of comments about me seat dancing when we have our bumper music. I just do. And um, it's it's about the only dancing I get to accomplish anymore. So you're listening to me, Ellie Krug, on Hidden Edges Radio, AM 950. We've been speaking with... Megan Shepard, a mentee of mine. Also, um, we've been talking a little bit about Korean adoptee, about being an international adoptee. Megan is that, as well as we've been talking a little bit about motherhood. So let me just, uh, Meg, share a little bit about you um, with you about my mom. So I, you've read my book, you, mm-hmm. and you know that um, I have read a mem- I've written a memoir, getting to Ellen, a memoir about love, honesty, and gender change. And, um, and I will tell you that uh, my relationship with my mother was not that good. And, you know, my, I grew up in a household dominated by an alcoholic father. And my mother, in uh, many ways, um, enabled that. Um, there, um, certainly, it was in the 60s and 70s when women were not leaving uh, their husbands um, to go out on their own. And I, I am mindful of that. Um, but my mother, um, it was very difficult to be close to her because her fear um, relative to the risk of being alone if she had left my father was so palpable. And in in some ways, um, and very unfortunate, I, I think that my mother put um, her interests of um, of comfort and security above uh, the needs of uh, her three children. And and I, I, you know, in my mother has been gone now for almost uh, 20, 23 years. Uh, she died in her 50s from cancer. But, you know, I don't look back on my life with my mom with a lot of pleasant, happy thoughts. And that's unfortunate. Um, and, and I wish it was different. 
But there we go. I mean, we all have different experiences as it relates to our mom. I certainly don't want to be disrespectful to her on Mother's Day, but there is a, a reality attached with that. I will also tell you that that helped inform my experience about motherhood. Um, actually, um, but my, ch my children still celebrate Father's Day, but today I've been getting numerous Mother's Day um, uh, accolades from people. So, you know, I, I, guess, I guess I get to be one of those people, Megan, who gets to be um, celebrate both of the, of the parent days. How do you like that? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so uh, callers, we'd love to hear from you at 952-946-6205 if you want to talk about your experience with your mom or if you are a mom, your experience with your children, because I am sure that some parents are like, hey, you know what? My kid never calls me. My kid never shows up. Um, so um, I don't know, Megs, what do you think about that? Do you have anybody that has a negative experience with their moms in your circle of friends? Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, reasons for that, you know, obviously vary quite a bit, but um, like every relationship, um, relationships between parents and children from my experience between a mother and a daughter, it takes a lot of work and it takes um, a certain level of understanding and, you know, adaptation as everybody gets older, you know, <laughs> you know, parents, you know, I'm sure that's a very different experience for you, you know, when your children are little versus when they're in school and then high school and college um, and then outside of college and then maybe become mothers or parents, you know, parents themselves and like any relationship, you know, that's going to have to change. Yeah, well, and there's no question that my relationship with my children has changed from what they were. I, and, um, I mean, as they've gotten older, uh, they but they're still relying on me in a variety of ways, some ways that I hadn't expected at this point in their lives. And it's all good. And, and, um, and in many ways, uh, the parent that I am today is measured by the way that my parents did everything, you know, things that were wrong. Um, at least in my view. And so much of my parenting has been motivated about not wanting to be like my parents. So I understand that too. You know, mm -hmm. as I ran to, into crossroads, I was always like, okay, what would mom and dad do under this circumstance? I'm going to do ex absolutely the opposite of what they would do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's true. <laughs> One of the things I have noticed, you know, consistently amongst, uh, amongst my friends, you know, who are young adults like myself, when we, uh, particularly when we're sick, and I think I started noticing this in college, you know, when I first moved away from home, I was living in a dorm room, and the first time I got a cold, I know it sounds really silly, but the first time I got a cold, and I had a sore throat, and I was going to miss class, and I was just a mess, the only person that I really wanted was my mom. And I did, I did call her, and even today, when I'm sick, one of the first people that I want to talk to and complain about the fact that I'm sick. I don't even know if she needs to know that I have a cold, but you know, I I feel like I need to tell my mom. I really want to tell my mom. I, for God's sakes, I just need my mom right now. Well, that's just so wonderful. It really is, and um, you know, and and that's part of the role of moms is to be there for their kids to be a security. And I think that that's partly why there was a rift between my mother and me is because I think I had the sense as well as at least one of my two siblings had the sense that our mom wasn't there for them, that instead mom was more interested in protecting herself rather than us. Um, okay, so uh, let's go ahead and shift topics and let's, let's talk. Um, I want to go back to, a, a, you know, being adopted in the adoptive, the adoptee experience. So, Tell me, um, what, what stigma do you think that you have faced growing up with the fact that you are, um, you know, Korean, that you are a Korean adoptee, that complicating um, identity on there? And, and how has it been growing up in the Midwest? I think one of the, one of the things that I initially, um, like looking back, on my, looking back on my childhood, I often tell people now as a young adult, um, that I didn't realize that I wasn't white until I was like in my 20s. Now that, that might seem sort of silly to hear somebody say, because obviously when I look in the mirror, I remember what I look like. Um, but, you know, going around in my everyday kind of day-to-day -day, day -day experience, I lived in a smaller, smaller upper middle class town 
It was predominantly Caucasian. There were a few other Korean adoptees there too. Um, I was close with some of them. Some of them I weren't. I, I wasn't close with. Um, but one of the things that a lot of my ad- adoptee you know, acquaintances and friends have have noted is that we really didn't necessarily know how to be Korean. We didn't necessarily have a strong um, sense of empowerment to identify as, you know, Korean or Pan-Asian or however we decide to identify now as adults. And so as I've gone through um, college and grad school and law school and, you know, kind of embraced that, embraced that part of me, I'm starting to think a little bit differently about what it means to be to be a person of color. Whereas when I was a kid, I didn't, I didn't think about that until I had to. But, you know, as a lot of, as I was alluding to earlier in the show, when people would ask me who my real mom is, I had a lot of questions about, at, posed to me as a, as a child about where my real mom was and why she didn't want me or, and those things are so hurtful to, to, to they children. Are. They're just, it just is just sort of eats away at your soul and it diminishes your family. And as a child, you know, I wasn't necessarily equipped um, to know how to deal with that. Right. Well, and some of that is about the loss that we, you know, that adoptees have. I mean, you can, I think, grow up in the in the most loving adoptive family in the world, uh, but that does not make up for the loss of having been separated from a birth family and all of the baggage that goes with that as to why did I get placed for adoption? Why, you know, why was it me and maybe not someone else and all of those very troubling and profound issues. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm stumbling now because I'm trying to bounce with my experience with my daughters. If nothing else, I think that I, as well as my um, former spouse, have gone out of our ways to make sure that our daughters know that they are so incredibly loved and that it doesn't matter to us that they came to us by way of adoption versus through birth. I mean, it, it really, I mean, when I see my daughter now, I, again, as I said at the earlier in the show, I just see this child, I see this human that is so important to me. Um, I, I would guess that part of um, some of your experience in life is that you've got a very Caucasian-sounding name, and then when people have not met you and they meet you for the very first time, I, I would bet you get the look. You yeah, get, yeah, all you the know, time. I mean, mm-hmm. I get the look when you know people are, hear my voice for the first time. I call it the look. And and are you, is your experience like mine, where you can take it most of the time, but sometimes it's like ah, it just really like kills you. Yeah, so I mean, it kind of depends on the the context too. I mean, where it really started to annoy me was when I was interviewing. So I'd be sitting in a for a, for a job. Yeah, interviewing for a job. Yep, especially as a um, you know as a as a young professional, and I'd be sitting in the waiting room, and someone would go, Megan, Megan, and I'd be waving my hand. <laughs> Here and they go, Megan Shepherd, and I'm like, I heard you, you know, right here. And I, I, I try to, um, like temper my sort of visceral response with that, um, but it does really bother me sometimes. It really, it really does. And I went, th- I was able to um, change my name actually, and my my middle name is now my Korean name. And so to me, that was a way, an important way for me to sort of reclaim part of what I, part of who I am, um, especially since um, a lot of times I feel like I don't have a lot from, from where I came from. That is extremely, extremely important to me. So now my middle name is Hyena, and which is my, um, my Korean name. And it's been I think it provides some kind of context to people. You know, when they see my resume, I put my full name on there, and that has helped a little. <laughs> that's helped a little bit. But for me personally, it was important for me to do that, just for my Absolutely. own sense of identity and sense of self. And I know a few other Korean adoptees who have done the same thing. Absolutely, I I agree with that. So, you know, when my daughters were younger, um, one of the daughters had a South Korean flag on, you know, spread across one uh, one of the walls in her bedroom, and in. In Iowa, where they grew up, we had a Korean camp every summer where the kids would go, as well as us. Um, at, we would go for several days, and where there'd be programming around being, first of all, an adoptee, but also programming around Korea and understanding Korean heritage and things of that nature. So, But, but we are still in a white society, um, although that's changing by 2040. 
um, but we're still in a white society where, you know, um, if you're a different color, you are different. You are other. So, um, listeners, we've been uh, waiting for someone to call at 952-946-6205. We have one last segment left if you want to call and talk either as a mom or what it means to be a child of a mom on today's Mother's Day. We would love to hear from you. But if you don't, don't worry. We'll just have this fascinating conversation anyway. Uh, You are listening to me, Ellie Krug, um, with Hidden Edges Radio. If you like what you hear, visit my website at at elliekrug.com. I have a monthly newsletter, The Ripple. You can go to the website and sign up for The Ripple. People love my newsletter. We're approaching 4,500 people on on the email list for the newsletter. When we come back, we'll do our last segment with Megan Shepard about motherhood on Mother's Day and childhood on Mother's Day. Thank you. Bye. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. Next time on Philosophy Talk, faith and humility. Can we have both religious faith and intellectual humility? Faith is a form of humility, humility before God. Not in the eyes of non-believers. To them, faith often leads to arrogant dogmatism. It's non-believers who arrogantly refuse to humble themselves before God. It's more arrogant to reject reason on the basis of blind faith. Faith and humility, next time on Philosophy Talk. Philosophy Talk, every Sunday at 8 a.m. and again at 2 p.m. on AM 950. Someone asked if I really do love my Rudy Luther Toyota Sienna as much as I say I do. Well, this week I've got groceries, a target run, seven sports practices with carpooling for four of them, two games, three music lessons, 4-H, dance, helping a friend move. We'll also probably have three play dates. I'll have to drive to work and I'll have at least one weekend family outing. Yes, it's a lot, but I get to do it all in relaxing comfort and style. Yes, I do love my Sienna and you can fall in love for yourself at Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169. Atheists Talk is the radio show for free-thinking Minnesotans. Listen on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock. Every Sunday we bring you science, philosophy, politics, and plain old fun from an atheist point of view. Visit our website at minnesotaatheists.org for more details. Tune in to Atheists Talk Radio Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock on KTNF AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's good radio without the good book. Mishad Cooley Erickson, a mechanical and electrical consulting engineering firm in Minneapolis, supports inclusivity by designing spaces for all user groups, honoring inclusivity and respect. These spaces include gender-neutral family restrooms and nursing mothers' rooms. For example, Mishad Cooley Erickson has designed lactation rooms for traveling mothers at the MSP International Airport. Designing these spaces has changed the expectations of similar facilities in airports around the country. Mishad Cooley Erickson designed safe and comfortable environments for occupants who are their number one priority. And we are back on Hidden Edges Radio on AM 950. This is your host, Ellie Krug. I've got a guest, Megan Shepard. We've been talking about moms and motherhood on Mother's Day. And we have a caller on the line, Joe from Hopkins. Joe, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, Joe. You wanted to yeah. talk a little bit about being a mom or and yeah. a daughter. Go yeah, ahead. Yes, and a daughter. I took me a while to decide what to say because <laughs> I'm not feeling up to par. But I... I um, my sister and I were brought up by a mother who loved everybody and took care of people uh, when they needed it, you know, if they needed help, and it was even people who nobody else cared about. So we we had that uh, ethic really instilled in us, and 
and we've worked with that always. I think that I have instilled that in our six children. Oh, wow. Especially, I think, the girls and the one son. The other one, not quite so much. He's not so happy about about reaching out. But they have learned to really love others and care, and it doesn't make any difference who who people are or where they're from. So it's it's been, and we, we run a free store on Thanksgiving Day, and so they all participate, and they're just wonderful to all of our guests in downtown Minneapolis. So it's just been been a real joy. <laughs> well, anyway, well, and we I listen to you every week, if I almost faithfully, if I'm home or you know at a, at the radio and we love your program. I visited with you for a minute with Blue State Ball and the curly-haired old lady. Oh, <laughs> I remember you, Joe. Well, thank you so very much for calling and you're thanks welcome. and thanks and your for sharing. wonderful. Oh, and, well, and, and happy day to your guest too. Okay, okay. well, thanks, Joe. Okay, thank you. Well, but uh, Megan, that really raises, uh, Joe really raises a wonderful thing, which is about how we do learn from our mothers and, and generally from our parents. And I, about being and, and the need to be very um, intentional about what we're teaching our children. I mean, certainly there, my daughters can tell you there are a couple of things that I instilled in them regularly. And uh, how about in your case? What did, you know, what was your takeaway from your mom? What do you think that your mom instilled with you? Oh, so many, so many things. My mom... Um, Other than kindness, because you have been so incredibly kind to me. Thank you, and you, you, you to me as well. Um, one of the things that my mom always seemed to have, and other mothers, I, I, I've sensed this in other mothers too, and I don't know, I, I don't necessarily know where it comes from. My twin sister, is, as I mentioned before, is a mom, and she has it too. It's the sense of, I will figure it out. Ah. I will figure it out. I will do it as quickly as I can, and it will happen, and it will all be okay afterwards. This will all work itself out somehow. And that is an incredibly, um, as a child, that's an, an, an incredibly wonderful thing, I think, to experience because you know there really isn't anything you know, that your mom isn't going to figure out. Now, that doesn't mean your mom's perfect. Your mom is not perfect. My mom is not perfect. And I was definitely, definitely by no means an easy child or, or a perfect daughter. I'm still not. But, you know, there, that's been a running theme that I've sensed. And even in my close friends who are mothers, they just roll up their sleeves and they, I remember my mom one time, there was something that got clogged in our sink and my mom just put on a rubber glove and dug it out. And I was like, I am not doing that ever. <laughs> it was gross. It smelled weird. And she goes, well, I had to come out. And that's kind of, you know, a quintessential mom memory that I have where she's like, it smells in there. There's something stuck in there. It's probably rotting. Obviously, it needs to come out. And she just, you know, dug in there and pulled it out. And that is a, um, a, a great memory that I have of my mom. And also, I think it embodies this sort of, I'm just going to literally roll up my sleeves and I am going to handle that. Sounds very metaphoric for sure. And, um, you know, uh, I... Uh, the what Joe raised, and we'd love. Uh, we've got a few minutes left, callers. If you want to call in at nine five two nine four six six two zero five, what she really raised is, you know, how are we? What kind of a culture are we creating for our children? And what are? I mean, there are some things that we are obviously teach our children explicitly. There are other things that we teach them by example. But you know, now I'm going to go off on a tangent. Um, we. And there are things that we teach our children implicitly that they learn. And, of course, in my work in dealing with um, trying to change the world as it relates to diversity and inclusion, I can bounce up against people who have learned all these stereotypes about people and all of these things. And, Megs, you and I are both in a position to talk about how stereotypes come back to haunt people because people do pick up things the way parents say things in the in in their home, in the privacy of their home, that they would never say in the public. You know, children are, I don't, I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, you're a really smart person. I was a smart person. I mean, I was a sponge. <laughs> Everything that came in, I, I absorbed it. It all came in. It really did. I, there was not much I missed. And so I don't know. What do you, what's your experience with that? Were you a sponge as you were growing up and were your parents adding to that sponge? I think so. Um, my grandma, you know, and I think grandmothers are absolutely 
also impor- so oh, important yeah. to talk to yep. you about. Oh, yeah. Talk about on, on Mother's Day. So blessings to the mothers and the grandmas out there. Uh, my grandma used to give me books. And my grandmother one time for my birthday took me to a bookstore and we wandered around and she just watched me pick up all these books. And I had read so many of them that she um, she went and got one of the women who worked in the store to find one that I hadn't read that she that this um, clerk was going to recommend. So the clerk goes through a bunch of you know recommendations like Watership Down, Little Women. I cannot remember how old I was, but this woman could not find one book, at least it was in her mind that I hadn't read. So was I a sponge? Yeah, I I read a lot. I read a lot. I studied music, um, a lot of music, and I read everything that I everything that I could. Well, that doesn't surprise me about you. Um, uh, you know, and I'll tell you, my grandmother, I, I loved my grandmother. I really did. And she was, she was very kind to me. And my grandmother had, I, I, I can see where my mother came from on some things, but my grandmother had some prejudices. And luckily I did not pick up on those. Um, and, and luckily they were so obvious that maybe that's what propelled me in the direction that I've gone, which about my idealism. Well, Megs, uh, Megan Shepard, I have loved having you on the show. Thank it's you, been Ellie. really great. You, uh, I told you off air, you have this beautiful radio voice. Oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. Um, You're but, too kind, thank you. But I also want to thank you for how how well you treat me. You you have made me feel so incredibly special, Megs, and. You have, and, 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 and today you did it again with breakfast and, and this plant. And I just want to tell you how grateful I am to have you in my life. Thank you, Ali. I'm grateful for you, too. Thank you. Okay, well, everyone, that's the end of another show. Um, you've been listening to me, Ellie Krug, interview Megan Shepard about Mother's Day and motherhood and all of stuff that comes with that. I hope that you've enjoyed the show. I need to do a big thanks to our sponsors, the engineering firm of Mashad Cooley Erickson, the Pride Institute, which is a drug and alcohol residential and outpatient recovery center, and Brending Electrolysis. Contact Bev. Let her know that Ellie recommended you. Um, and uh, and her and so she does great work a big thanks to my producer Eric Nelson thumbs up you are great um, we'll be back next week it'll be a tape show I think and um, but listeners I really appreciate your loyalty thanks so very much we'll talk to you next week bye bye